I'm suiting up. Welcome to Dr. Three, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth in climbing the standard ranked ladder. I'm your host, Major Death, and along with me is my fellow host, Nicolias. Daring Alkaline is out sick this week. It's nothing serious, but we wish him well and a, and a speedy recovery. He should be back with us next week. So with us, we sent out the podcast signal and got a special de- guest for the third chair this week. You'll know him from uh, a lot of Hearthstone writing and his appearance on a number of other Hearthstone podcasts. It is Deck Tech. Welcome, Deck Tech. Good to see you. Hey, guys. It's great to be here. I'm happy I was the one who got back to you first. <laughs> well, it's, it, that's not exactly how it worked. So, but yes, we're <laughs> really glad. And so if you're at home playing bingo, the Hearthstone bingo, podcast bingo, you can now scratch off Dr. Three for Deck Tech being on that show as well. So. <laughs> that's right. I've almost collected all the podcast stones. There you go. So we will uh, we'll still continue like we normally do this week. Uh, we, we've got a poll question, uh, or our last week's poll question. We'll start with that. And it was, what are you most excited about from the reveal stream? We had 13 votes. And I don't think it was real surprising, but Demon Hunter, the uh, kind of 800-pound gorilla of the reveal stream, got 62% of the votes. Ladder revamp and rewards got 23% of the votes. Hall of Fame changes and priest rework got 15. And Ashes of Outland, the new expansion, got zero votes. Zero votes. (laughs) I don't think that that's necessarily reflective on how interesting or cool this expansion could be. I think it's more of a reflection of just how big some of the other announcements were. I mean, it's also the fact that we've been getting three expansions over a year for basically five years now. Has it been six years? I don't yeah. know when uh, the three it expansion just... adventure thing came started, but like it's something we're used to and we expected. We definitely weren't expecting Demon Hunter. Sure, that makes total sense. We did have one write-in vote. Ben Harstone said he's looking forward to duplicate protection. So... As somebody, I think, that has a lot of the cards, I, I think that that uh, was something that resonated resonated with him. So we will we will jump into the news. And obviously, a lot of the news that has been shared with us in the last week is about the new expansion, Ashes of Outland. A lot of cards have been revealed. We're going to uh, discuss more of the cards or some specific cards that we're interested in talking about during the main topic. We now know what the entire Demon Hunter set is, both the basic and the initiate set. So there's definitely uh, a lot of interesting things in there that we can dive in. We're recording this on Tuesday night. uh, So by, but we're the release of this normally is Wednesday night. So by the time you're hearing my voice, the final reveal stream will have taken place. It is scheduled for Wednesday morning, March 25th. Crip, Ixar and Chris Sierra will be on. They'll do the the typical reveal stream thing, showing about 15 or so cards, and then the rest of the set that we have not seen to this point will get revealed afterwards. Uh, So you now know what the new set looks like, and and so we'll have a lot lot to talk about uh, in next week and leading up to the the new expansion. Uh, There's going to be theorycraft streams on Thursday, March 26th, uh, 16 streamers and pro players will have access to the cards early to craft decks and then play them. There's been some discussion today about whether or not that's a good thing or not. Uh, seems like not a lot of positives coming out. <laughs> Basically, lot. the only people who like it are the 16 streamers in question and Frodan because Frodan. Um, and basically Blizzard itself, because apparently it helps with marketing. I don't, I don't know the specifics behind it and everything, but basically everyone who's more mostly engaged with it on on Twitter and stuff is kind of disappointed um, because they like being able to play with the cards as well, you know, and having, you know, not only somebody else kind of you know play with the toys that we can't yet is obviously not great, and then. 
they kind of take that uh, excitement of being able to discover decks by themselves away from them because it's already been done by a streamer probably, you know, like those are two really big hits against it. Tech Tech, what do you think of uh, Theorycraft streams? So I personally do not enjoy them for those same reasons that Nikolaus just said. Um, but I expect that we are just like the super engaged fan base are the ones who don't like it. And it's probably pretty popular with the more casual fan base. Um, I guess it's that area of the fan base that is interested enough to watch streams, but not interested enough to want to do it themselves. So maybe the people who tend to sit around rank 10 uh, to 25, as opposed to the 50 who are like the super casuals who only play every once in a while. Um, so it's, it's weird. I mean, they have so many different audiences that they want to appease everyone and it's impossible to do anything like almost literally anything that actually appeals to every single one of those fan bases. So it's kind of like, you have to do a little bit here. You have to do a little bit here. And, um, this thing's just not for us. And it, like you said, it looks like us on Twitter. It's not like for anyone because everyone on Twitter who's engaged is, I think, in that really engaged group. Um, and so we're not really the target audience. So it looks like nobody at all likes it. I don't think that's quite it or else, you know, they wouldn't be doing it, but I would be interested That's... in seeing the viewership numbers because it's going to be, I think, the uh, it's only going to be streamed on YouTube, obviously, because of the change and uh, generally the viewership. I don't know what the numbers were because of the, um, basically, the last message was, was completely online. Um, so I don't know what the viewership numbers of that were, but I know that the first time it was like, it dropped by like 80%. Um, so <laughs> I'd be curious to see how many people actually watch this. I uh, yeah, I, I wasn't. Go ahead, Dick. Oh, sorry. Uh, I I'm actually not sure if this is going to be on the unified YouTube channel. Did they say that from the announcement? It looked like it might have been like each individual. It, yeah, it might channel. be each individual oh, streamer's uh, uh, stream that they're doing that. I, I didn't look specifically. I don't remember specifically. We can probably pull it up here real fast. But okay, I may have just made an assumption and made an ass out of me. So <laughs> it's, I don't think it's that big a deal. No, it's fine. But uh... I don't think it. I don't think it necessarily like it. You. It does. I. Uh, it does not specifically say that it's going to be on an official Hearthstone channel. So okay. I, I would imagine that it's going to be on those players or streamers' individual accounts. Okay, so that would probably so, be... So I guess that means, like, if you're interested in a streamer, then you can follow them specifically, and they'll probably mostly be on Twitch, since that's where almost all of them live, right? right. So we might see higher viewership. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll move on. It's just not for us, and we'll try and figure things. And And, like... Yeah, we'll we'll just move on and figure it out ourselves on the seventh. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we'll talk about Masters Tour Los Angeles, which complete was completed over the weekend. Lies, eh? Lies, lies. Uh, won the tour stop. It is his second tour stop in a row, getting Arlington and now Los Angeles, beating TNC Answer three two in the finals. Uh, lineup consisted of Highland Mage, Highland, Highlander Mage, Highlander Hunter, Combo Priest, and Galakron Rogue. And it was quite possibly one of the more stacked top eights that you're going to find. Uh, Lion, Casey, Tice, No Hands Gamer, Nalgodon, and Bank Yugi were the top eight competitors. So I, I didn't get a chance to see any of it, but it looked... It looked like it was pretty interesting and exciting uh, based on some of the tweets and saw that I, that I was seeing updates throughout the day. The only thing I know about it was Casey whining. So. <laughs> hey. uh, I watched a, a bit of it. It was fun. I think it's definitely notable that this is his second one. We were talking a little bit about it before we started. 
uh, second in a row, which makes him the first player to ever do that. There haven't been a ton of opportunities for other people, but still, I mean, that's quite the accomplishment. This is a huge tournament with a lot of people who have already proven themselves to be good players. So, you know, congrats to him. He's guaranteed his spot in Grandmasters now. So that's cool. So other other than that, other than the Masters Tour and all the Ashes of Outland stuff, we have we have a meta shakeup coming. There are big changes coming as early as this Thursday, the twenty sixth. Uh, what is that? The seventh time this expansion? <laughs> yeah, there's Jeez. there's there's been just a couple of changes throughout this expansion. So uh, on the twenty sixth, we will see the Hall of Fame changes. So bye bye, Leroy. Mountain Giant, Acolyte, that uh, Spellbreaker, and a trail. MC Tech. And MC Tech. No more MC Tech. Get Tech. out of my game. <laughs> uh, more card unnerfs. The the last of the card unnerfs. The ones that are from Year of the Raven that are going to be rotating into Wild. So that means Doctor Boom, Mad Genius goes down to seven mana. Giggling Inventor doesn't get completely reverted back to five mana it instead goes to six rating party to three and the reckless experimenter has the cost can't be reduced below one removed we've got the priest classic and basic rework that's going to be in effect the pack changes will be in effect at that point we're gonna lose illidan as a card no no my golden illidan no no i do not approve instead it will be renamed xavius uh, but the card effect will remain the same because Illidan's now going to be the hero portrait for the Demon Hunter. And new and returning uh, players get access to that free deck. And we actually, there was a post on Reddit today that actually went through and shared what each of those decks would be uh, if you selected the class. And there was definitely some interesting options in there. Three Galakron decks uh, for Rogue for Warlock and for Shaman. Uh, Highlander Mage had both Zephyrus and Dragon Queen Alexstrasza in it. So if you felt inclined to play Highlander decks and you were a newer returning player, that's defi- those, those cards can then slot in as uh, legendaries and other Highlander classes as well. And uh, so, so we're going to see a bunch of changes. And, and I'm curious, Nicolaius, if you have some thoughts as to you know what the next few days are going to look like until until probably April second when the descent of demon hunters occurs on the game of Hearthstone. So I think there's uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of experimenting with priest in general. I think that um, just the the resurrect priest as it is right now gets a huge buff for the next like two weeks. Um, with the introduction of Shadowward Ruin, I think it's called, um, and some of the other buffs that they get. Um, but the one I'm looking at the most is Dr. Boom, Mad Genius, because getting brought back to 7, is that going to be a better option than Galakrond Warrior? Um, having all your minions have Rush is was obviously an extremely powerful effect. The hero power is insane. And how much it changes, like that might be the single biggest change that we see. Um Yeah, with Leroy rotating out, suddenly one of the kind of win card, you know, kind of finisher cards, as well as a draw engine in Acol in the Accolade of Pain, suddenly are not gonna be able to be in the Galacron Warrior deck. And so yeah. the uh the, the Doctor Boom mech deck whether it be, well, you know, it might be a more controlling deck like it was, or it could be, you know, some sort of hybrid thing or more of a tempo style deck uh, will remain to be seen. Yeah, and then obviously as far as the Hall of Fame, Leroy, like you mentioned, being rotated out, basically every single aggressive deck is going to be extremely weakened for the next two weeks um, because they don't have a finisher anymore. So... I think it's going to be a lot of control, slower decks, because uh, they now actually have the time. They don't start with 24 life. <laughs> Deck Tech, have any thoughts on on the, the meta shakeup over the, over the next few days? Yeah, I think those are all good points. Um, I think the weakening of aggro at the same time that you get Dr. Boom back means that Dr. Boom's probably going to be just really good at clearing up pretty much all aggro. 
except for Mech Paladin, which doesn't really get touched as much. Um, and also the loss of Mountain Giant makes... Like, Mountain Giant was kind of one of the strongest things against um, Control Warrior. So I think that Control Warrior looks like it's probably going to be in a pretty good spot for those couple days. And then perhaps if all we have is a control meta, then that means we can also bring back some sort of combo meta. So it'll be interesting to see how that rock, paper, scissors kind of pans out. What do we think about Highlander Mage? Now, Highlander Mage was a, a deck that feels like it would be... was almost good enough and then but it had some bad matchups and the bad matchups i I definitely had leroy associated with them uh Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases does that deck suddenly become better in 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 this in this landscape for the next couple weeks i think it does because priest it is a very good counter to priest um so obviously by priest getting a huge boon um Mage gets a huge boon as well. I don't know what the matchup is against Control Warrior, but I feel like with the amount of removal, uh, especially after Dr. Boom, but not even including that, like the the Brawls, the Shield Slams, the um, Omega Devastators and all that stuff, I feel like Control Warrior has a pretty good matchup against Highlander Mage. Um, Yeah, I think so too, especially when Highlander Mage loses Mountain Giant, so they can't do the whole Mountain Giant Conjurer's Calling anymore, which was basically the way that the matchup went for back when it was the big matchups, was Mm -hmm. you would kind of set up a board with as minimal investment as you could, so you're trying to play like maybe one or two cards to get a board that they have to clear. Yeah, And then you just do that repeatedly until they don't have a clear anymore. And now you're taking away one easy way to set up that board. And so you are you get additional tools like Dragon Queen Alexstrasza, which is a replacement board, I guess. Um, but I think it's going to be slightly more in favor of the Control Warrior than it was before. Yeah, and the problem with Alexstrasza is that Warrior doesn't have many boards anymore that they need to use the Brawl on. So it's really not that hard to save at least one copy and like a devastator after that so they they don't have a board anymore and then like Zephyrus isn't going to be doing much maybe he gets the materian right so like they don't have i don't think they have enough threats to out pressure the warrior or outvalue the warrior um, because that hero power is so insane every single turn I was, so i was i was also thinking that quest druid might end up being really good as well i mean some of the worst matchups for that deck were decks that could get you down in those early turns when you were trying to get the quest online and stabilize with 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 the the armor gain that you have it it probably runs into the same problem that mage does though with the control warrior i would think that one's a bit more even uh it depends how greedy the druid can be if Agro completely dies and the druid can go full greed with like the Elises and King Feoris and uh Cenarius and like I think there's another like Jeff and the Yseras and like all that stuff. Like if they can go full greed, then I think that it is quest druid favored. If they still have to put in more defensive tools and they can only run like two of the greedy cards, I think that it's the warriors favored. Okay. Yeah. I agree. That sounds right. Um, It's interesting because, like you guys have said, and like we're all talking about in the beginning, uh, Leroy is definitely a huge loss for all of these aggro and tempo decks, but at the same time, it's only one card, and many games, you you don't get Leroy, right? The game ends early if your deck's doing what it's supposed to do, and sometimes you don't even have time to find Leroy or use him as a finisher. So it obviously makes the decks worse overall, but it'll be interesting to see how much that actually affects like each individual game or, or the composition of the deck or how much play it actually sees. So it'll be an interesting thing to see how huge of an impact this actually is. I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, just the fact that Leroy existed put on a huge amount of pressure. Like I said before, like it, it basically meant every other deck started at 24 life. 
So now every yeah. deck is starting at 30, and they don't have to, when they get down to 6 life, they don't have to be like, oh, I hope they don't have to draw Leroy. You know, like, they can, yeah, they and, have more room and, to play around. They don't have that threat. So yes, it is only one card, but just the, the card existing is almost more powerful. Yeah, um, and then another point that we were already talking about as well is the return of Dr. Boom. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the double whammy yeah. to these aggro decks. So so I get it. I, I think I could see this being a massive meta change, but I could also see it being not really a very big one because it turns out that 29 of the 30 cards in all of these top decks are still good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see where we land. Okay, yeah, and like it. Like we said, it's only going to last about a week because April 2nd, we have the uh, Demon Hunter prologue is going to become available and you'll complete. uh... I don't think the Demon Hunter is playable until the expansion comes out, though. It's just the prologue that you can do. Oh, you can't actually play it? I was under the impression that you could play it as soon as you finish the prologue. That's what I thought earlier as well, Dwayne, but based on this tweet uh, that you guys have linked in the show notes, I think that Celestalon has kind of clarified, it looks like you get to play the prologue, but you don't actually get to play as Demon Hunter until the 7th, when the set comes out. Yeah, it says Demon Demon Hunter is unlocked on the 7th, so it's just the prologue. Okay. Well, so so there's not just going to be the weekend of... uh, of So this will in fact be basically almost a two-week meta then because uh there won't be a another change before the rotation and, and the new expansion yeah. launch in the seventh because yeah. demon hunter by itself if it was launched before that would be a meta shakeup uh, of pretty substantial because everyone's going to want to try and play that when it when it becomes available oh yeah for sure especially uh I mean, it's the new hotness. It seems pretty good. And also, I just theorycrafted something earlier today that was literally 100% free because it only uses basic cards and cards from the initiate like set that you get with the Demon Hunter. Mm-hmm. And so I think at a lot of levels of the ladder, especially like you know the lower half, these players who don't have as much of a commitment, they're, they're going to take the free deck that is new and fairly easy to pilot and it's like it's the perfect storm for it's going to just be a ton of demon hunter um everywhere but especially on the lower end of the ladder i think yeah i mean they definitely overshot i think that i think the sentiment was that they were more willing to overshoot demon hunter cards because of how few of them they have um so by that um merit it's going to be very uh free to play friendly All right, let's jump into the main topic, which is the new expansion, Ashes of Outland cards. We've seen a lot of them, uh, like over half. I'm not sure the exact number that we're at at this moment, but we're almost through the reveal uh, season and the final stream that, that is occurring earlier today as you're hearing this. So we wanted to take an opportunity to highlight a few cards that we think are good or interesting uh, but we're still looking at, at doing potentially a full set review bonus episode before Ashes of Outlands comes out on April 7th. So, Nicolas, I'm going to start with you. What's a, what's a card that you've seen over the last week since they started revealing these that, that you want to talk about? So probably the one that I think has generated the most discussion around it, McTheridan. Or make Theridon, however you pronounce yes. it. It is a four mana twelve twelve. Oh man, that sounds like a new meme incoming. <laughs> oh my goodness, almost darkness levels, but it's it has an easier condition to satisfy, I think. Uh its battle cry is it summons three one three enemy warders. When they die, destroy all minions and awaken. So this does a couple things, right? Like, first off, it puts, it takes up three spo- uh, spots on your opponent's board. So if they want to go wide, they don't have as much ability to do so. Other thing is that all three of them have to die. 
They can't be transformed or shadow stepped or, um, you know, any anything else that or renoed. You know, like that completely takes it away. Um, so it's not like a super easy condition, but like playing this on four and then crazed Netherwing or Hellfire or the Demon Hunter five mana AOE that I can't remember. Um, Basically, any three damage AOE followed up by this is a complete board clear, and then you get a 12-12. And I think that's super interesting. Um, you could see it being played on four, and then hopefully they don't you know, do something with one of the warders, and then follow it up on five with the board clear, or you could do it on the same turn. You know, There's a lot of different ways that this can be played. Um, but it's extremely powerful, a fact. Like, this is basically a death wing with the condition of killing three one threes, which isn't too much of a threat, right? Like, if these were three threes, I'd be much more scared, but they're one threes. They don't do a lot of damage. So if you don't, if you somehow manipulate one of the warders so that it can't, it doesn't die, then that thing just remains dormant and yes. takes up a spot on your board for the rest of the game, right? Yes. So there is a bit of risk with it. <laughs> yeah, and also a little bit of counterplay. They uh, they explain that you need to both summon and kill all three. So mm -hmm. if your board's already full, then you've counterplayed them. They can't summon the three. Oh. So, you know, there's that as well. Yes. Interesting. 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 That That's... <laughs> that seems like something new. And it's actually... Uh, that's like the only dormant card that's like that, right? The rest of them are all kind of just dormant for a couple turns, two turns it seems like is the default, and then and then it go and then they awaken on their own. At least in this expansion, I believe so. Um, At least that we've seen the, so far. Yeah, obviously you can yeah, look at the darkness again, the right? And that one was very similar. Like if you overdrew a candle, then it was just dead. Mm. Um, but, yeah, as far as this expansion, everything is basically just dormant for two turns. Yeah, so far. One cool thing I saw before we move on, um, someone posted, like, you could play Ancient Mysteries on two, which uh, is the card that reads, draw, it's a mage card, draw a secret from your deck, it costs zero. Mm -hmm. You can get that to get Flame Ward, and then you can play this guy on curve, or, you know, coin him out or something, and play your free Flame Ward, so now they can't attack you like for the rest of the game <laughs> until they find something to do with their one threes. Well, that sounds fun. Uh, Deck Tech, what about you? What's what's the first card you want to highlight from the new expansion? All right, so the first one that I want to talk about is a card that we have seen the longest from the set so far because it was the card we received early. It's Kael'thas. Um, it's Every third, it's a six-mana minion. Every third spell you play is free. And I wanted to talk about him because I think he's super fun and super cool. He's already making a pretty big impact on Wild. It was it was kind of a flash in the pan a little bit. Um, but it still seems like there's some there's a lot of potential there in both Wild and Standard. I think it's, it's, a, it's a really cool card, and you can get tons of value off of it. Yeah, it was a uh, druid that they were doing a lot of funky stuff with with low cost spells, and then being able to use like ultimate infestation for free and stuff like that, wasn't it? Yeah, the crazy thing about this that I didn't realize until after I played with it um, is that it counts spells that were played before it was played as well. So what you do is on turn three or four, you play innervate, innervate, or coin or whatever, some sort of ramp to cast him to get up to six mana and then you play your free ultimate infestation so you're playing it on turn three or four or whatever and then it draws into maybe a couple other activators you can keep the chain going if you get lucky or you can you know be a little more patient and wait with it but uh the fact that it sees the spells that happen before it even gets played was nuts to me and i think <laughs> if they end up touching it that might be how they're going to change it maybe if they end up changing it at all i could see that i i did not did not realize that was that that was uh, a thing. That, that's really interesting. That's learned something new. Got something to try. <laughs> no. 
Uh, one card I'd like to highlight is the Underlight Angling Rod. It is a Paladin weapon, epic quality, three mana, three two weapon. After the hero attacks, add a random Murloc to your hand. So it's, I mean, we've seen a three mana, three two weapon before. Uh, we've seen Murlocs in Paladin before. Weapons usually are really powerful, and this to me just I think feels like a like it's going to be a good card and a, like any any murloc deck that you're going to do with with paladin is going to have this card in it i think so it's it's not flashy or anything like that you're not going to get to do a bunch of free like a, a big spell for free or anything like that but uh and it's it's not going to be a 12 12 that's hit you in the face but it, it does seem like just a really solidly good card so uh nicolaus back to you where where are we going next all right, so the next card is, it's more generally the whole Librem package, but the one I want to highlight the most is Librem of Wisdom. It is a two-mana spell that gives a minion plus one, plus one, and when it dies, it gives a copy of the Librem of Wisdom to your hand. Uh, we've kind of seen this effect before in Hunter with, I believe it was Explorer's Hat, uh, and it kind of sucked. <laughs> but this is zero mana. If if you if you play that, um, the uh, Aldor Truthseeker, that's the one it. That reduces yes. it by two for the game. Yeah. So if you just play that, then for the rest of the game, all of your Librams are zero mana, which is obviously insane. You it basically means that whenever you're trading, your minions have plus one plus one because you can just buff it, trade get it back, buff it in, and if you draw both of them, then it's plus two, plus two. And then if you have Lady Liadrin, that counts every single Librum you've played, oh, so you could get a hand of, like, eight Librums, and basically any time you trade, your minions have plus eight, plus eight. Or you could spread it around if you're, like, afraid of silence, which there isn't a lot of, or saps, or something like that, you know? But Definitely like, even less with no Spellbreaker in Standard. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of potential for this thing to just completely snowball. I do think that it needs like the full, I think it needs the Aldor. It definitely needs Lady Liadrin. Um, but Lady, Lady yeah, Liadrin that... is seven mana uh, legendary for Paladin. The four, six battle cry, add a copy of each spell you cast on a friendly minion this game to your hand. Yeah, so you definitely need to get, like, if you can get, like, four of those back with Liatrin, plus you have, like, one in your hand or something, like, getting plus four, even plus four, plus four, plus five, plus five, like, it's just an insane amount of value and pretty much completely shift. As long as you're able to have a minion on the board, you should never lose that board. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really cool cycle, really cool mechanic. Um, I I'm thinking it might also be enough to make pure paladin decent, maybe. So um, I I really like it. I'm really this is one of the decks that I'm interested in trying out once the set goes live. There is was it three or four Librams? There were three Librams and then two activators and then the for two, it. The two the two Aldors. One the truth. Seekers, the five mana that is a taunt and also reduces the cost of your Librams by two this game. And then the Aldor Attendant is a two mana, two, three that reduces it by one this game. So you, yeah. you, you've got a way, you, you've got potentially four, you know, if you're not doing a I don't even deck. think it's that big of a commitment. I don't even think you need the two mana one. If you just run two copies of the two discount, um, Plus, the, like I said, the Librum of Wisdom, the Librum of... What's it called? Do, do, do. Yes, That's Librum of Justice. If you play both of them, it becomes a two-mana equality gain of one for a weapon, which is, you know, equality was nerfed. <laughs> um, and then Librum of Hope becomes five-mana. Like, that seems like very strong effects. I don't, like, I don't even think you need um, the Attendant. Yeah, and one thing I noticed, which I think is probably intentional, is if you play Attendant on 2 and Truth Seeker on 5, then your hope 
is six mana. Yeah. So I think they're kind of, I mean, they don't make it like a one, two, three, four, so it's super easy to curve into them. But I do think they're kind of expecting you to be able to curve it fairly, fairly well. And, uh, and I think if I'm playing like this guy on two, and then I don't know what I'm doing on three, but on four, I'm playing the pure paladin guy that gives me a true silver. Mm -hmm. And then on five, I'm playing true seeker. And then on six, I'm playing Libram of Hope. That just seems so good to me. Yep. Seems like a powerful card. Very nice. That'll be interesting. I, I, I definitely thought it was pretty cool when they, they had the video showing off, uh, the Librams and the Aldor uh, compliments to those. Deck Tech, what's your next card? All right, my next one is called Fungal Fortunes. It's a Druid card, and it's kind of like the reverse Book of Spectres. It's draw three cards and then discard any minions. So Book of Spectres, one of my favorite cards of all time. This is... Uh, similar idea i mean obviously it needs there to be enough spells that you kind of want to do it but druid has spells that generate minions and do damage and I, this just seems like a really cool concept and i'm hoping there's enough there that i can actually make a deck out of it okay i, I i'm always a little wary i was always a little wary to play book of specters myself because i had some bad luck <laughs> whenever i seemed to play it but uh, definitely is a powerful card for, for that. And so this is going to be interesting to see as well. Uh, my second card is actually a Demon Hunter Legendary, Kane Sun Fury. Four mana, three, five, charge. Not this rush. Not, not None of this rush crap. This is charge. Charge in 2000. And if that's not enough, all friendly attacks ignore taunt. I, I just I don't even know what to say. The combination of the fact that it's it, it's a charge minion, which we haven't seen a charge minion in quite some time, and the fact that all friendly attacks now ignore taunt uh, seems very interesting to me. I, I, I you know it, from an aggro standpoint, you know one of the big counterplays is obviously putting taunts in the way, and so you know it feels like it's not. It feels like a finisher card, so you're not playing this on four. But I, I, I'm curious if it if it's good enough, I guess, for for like a more aggro demon hunter. I mean, basically all it's saying is that if you ever have a board, you win. And the counterplay to that is most of the aggro demon hunter cards are pretty frail. You know, we have a lot of one ones and stuff. Um but yeah, it's basically saying, do not let me have a board, because if it does, I'm going to go base with everything. And then you can also mm -hmm. equip a weapon beforehand, so it's like, it's not just three damage, it's three damage plus four damage plus, you know, whatever else is on the board, so, yeah. Yeah, seems seems pretty good. I, I imagine we're going to see that uh, very early on uh, in the new expansion, Expansion mm -hmm. goes live. Uh, Nicolas, what's your next card? Priestess of Fury. Seven mana, six, seven demon for demon hunter. Uh, at the end of your turn, deal six damage randomly split among all enemies. So this is a recurring, slightly better Cinderstorm. And Cinderstorm is a three mana spell. So if we just round it to say three mana. Um, it's a, it's a three mana effect at the end, which recurs every single turn that it survives, and it has seven health. Like, yeah, this is this is great. This is essentially a four mana six seven. Yeah, you're not. And you're not I like those stats. Any, you're not losing any stats for that end of turn effect. Really. Yeah. So it's a priority that you have to kill because it has high attack, high defense, or high health. And a powerful effect. Like, it is... It's very, very powerful in any single deck that wants to go longer than turn 5. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like a really strong card to me. Uh, for any deck that's kind of playing that mid-rangey type feel. Mid-range to late, maybe. Because it is a demon. So there are those, like, pull big demon synergy cards as well. So... Um, I, I think this card seems really good. 
if you think of it, even if it were just a battle cry, it would be almost good enough, I think, to play. But the fact that you get to do it every turn if it survives is just even better. Yeah, you're getting it at least once, and the potential is that you could get it multiple turns. And it's only rare, too, so, you know, it's... From a cost standpoint to get it into your deck, it's not going to be that expensive either. So bud- budget-friendly, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, deck Tech, your next card. All right, my next card is another Druid card. It's called Germination. Four mana spell, copy a minion, and give it taunt. Uh, I just really love copying stuff. I love you know, doing stuff with big... Uh, minions, um, I saw, I forget who it was talking about, um, I think it might have been Wicked Good talking about, you can play this on, um, jeez, what's his name, the 2-6 that copies something at the end of the turn? Um, you know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Vargoth, there we go, Vargoth. Uh, you play it on Vargoth, and so it copies the Vargoth. And then each Vargoth, it's the only spell you're playing um, that turn. So each Vargoth then copies it. So you're giving yourself a board of four Vargoths. Um, I mean, you're doing this on turn eight or eight mana at least. So it's not like the craziest thing, but each Vargoth is copying a Vargoth and they all have taunt except for the first one. So it just seems really cool. I love copying stuff. And uh, we're also seeing people talk about maybe copying it or uh, using it with, like, Malagos and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Might that's, be good. That's definitely what we need, is we need to be have more ways to copy Malagos. That's, yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not actually looking forward to the idea of a board full of uh, Vargoths because of this card. Thank you for putting that thought into my head. <laughs> uh, my next card is another legendary it is Akama the rogue legendary 3 mana 3-4 three, it is the rogue prime card so it starts out as a 3 mana 3-4 three, with stealth and has a death rattle shuffle the prime version in Akama prime is 6 mana 6-5 six, and the thing I find most interesting about it is the the text on the prime card which is permanently stealthed so if you get this thing on the board, short of like AOE effects, you're not going to be able to interact with it for the rest of the game. And the six attack on it is, kind of, is you know, a, a good chunk of damage. And five health is not insignificant amount of AOE damage that you'd have to come up with in order to hit this thing too. So... Uh, seems like it's going to be potentially a quite quite a powerful minion to try and have to deal with if you can get it on the board now granted it's a legendary so you have to find the you have to find the smaller version the smaller version has to die and not not get silenced before that happens then you have to find the prime version and get it into play so there's a lot of setup here but i I, just the idea of a permanently stealthed minion, you know, we've seen permanently stealthed in single player content, and that's always really powerful, a, a really powerful effect. And so I just I just thought this was a, a really interesting card, I guess. Yeah, I think it's really strong. And I think a fun thing that I haven't seen anyone mention yet, but I'm sure I'm not the first who noticed it, is you can find the prime with stowaway. So... You already have a card to tutor out the prime once you kill the initial version. I had not considered that. That's yeah, because that didn't start in your deck. That's right. I don't know how good it's gonna be because it doesn't have a lot of survivability. It can't be targeted, obviously. But if you're ever using this to trade in, only five health is not a lot, so you want to be going face a lot. But I think that that's pretty counterintuitive to the whole prime mechanic which is a very slow thing um you could play at the end and it's kind of like a finisher but it doesn't have charge it gives your opponent a chance to respond whether it's by zephyrus or by something else so i think it's interesting um but i will say that the in the dungeon runs and stuff like that 
the permanently stealthed treasure or whatever was one of the worst ones that from my experience yeah i mean i think you're right that this seems to want to be in some sort of like just kind of beefy mid-rangey rogue which isn't a thing we've seen a ton from rogue um it does a lot of tempo more than the traditional beefy mid-range even when it is a Mm mid-rangey deck um, so I'm not sure if this will find a home. I just think it's a cool card and you already have, I, I like that stowaway aspect because it seems like it's one of the weaker primes probably, but maybe that's because they know it would be one of the easiest ones to find. It is definitely so, interesting. I don't know. Um, for my next card, I'm also talking about a prime, but it's a little bit different. It is the Cargath Blade Fist. So this is a war, this is the warrior one. Um, it is a 4-mana 4-4 with Rush. So already we're starting off with something that's not awful, right? Like, we had Militia Commander, which was a 2-5 that the turn you played it was a 5-5. So a little bit weaker, but um, it has that permanent effect if it's there to survive. Um, Restless Mummy is another similar card. It doesn't have that Reborn aspect, but again, a little bit more survivability. Um, and then it death rattles into Cargath Prime. When you draw it, it is an 8-mana 10-10 with Rush. And whenever this attacks and kills a minion, gain 10 armor. <laughs> so it's a big boy. It's basically guaranteed to kill any something the turn that it's played. And then that's 10 armor. So... It's probably going to go into a slower warrior deck who can use a lot of rush minions and getting that huge chunk of, you know, that huge burst of survivability, you know, that's not insignificant. You know, we've seen how impactful something like uh, Zilliax is, right? Like, which is, gives that small burst of health. Like, that was more accessible and it came out earlier, right? But like, just... There's a lot of situations where it's like, I win if they don't have Zilliax, even in, as late as like turn eight, turn nine, and then they play it and you're like, well, oh, I'm, I guess I lose. And this is a much bigger burst of healing and a much bigger body to take out a minion. Um, so this is one that I'm expecting to see play in any sort of control warrior deck. Yeah. It'll be interesting it, Interesting to see if they push uh, Rush more um, in this coming year because all of the Rush Synergy cards from Warrior, the Rush Warrior stuff, is all leaving with yeah. rotation. So I don't know if that's intentional to keep him from being too good or if maybe they'll bring some support to... Or, you know, I guess maybe they could decide at a later point if they want to do it in the last set of the year if he hasn't seen enough play. Um, but yeah, it seems like a solid card on its own, um, and it might get even better if they bring back some more Rush Warrior stuff. Deck Tech, what's one more card that you want to highlight from Ashes of Outland? All right, uh, my last one, I would say, I, I think we have to talk about uh, Maev. Um, it's not like the most crazy exciting card, but it might just be like quietly the best, like card in the set or if not that at least one of the most frequently used ones uh it's a four mana it's a legendary four three with battle cry choose a minion it goes dormant for two turns um this is just neutral kind of stall slash removal um it it slots into almost any deck because it's right in that kind of mid-rangey cost where a lot of um where a lot of decks can afford that. It seems like it might be the new Zilliax. Um, there's also a sneaky interaction where with the imprisoned cards, they get a bonus when they awaken. So maybe there's a chance that one is good enough that you'll use this to like reawaken it later. So uh, I don't think any of the ones we've seen are too likely to be that target. Maybe imprisoned Antian, maybe imprisoned Seder. Um, but, you know, it's an option. 
and that's cool. And most of the time, you're probably just going to use it as your new Spellbreaker slash Zilliax type card. Yeah, it's basically freezing a minion for two turns, um, because the first tick of Dormant will go as soon as your turn ends. Um, but yeah, it, it is a way to get the Rotant for lethal. Uh, it is a way to just say, you can't play this, you know, like... Uh, you know, they put down a huge threat. Uh, I was going to say, like, Mountain Giant, but that's broken, obviously. <laughs> but a an Edwin Van Cleef, right? Like, it will still keep the buffs when it uh, awakens, but just not having to deal with, like, a 10-10 Edwin for two turns can give you time to get those answers. So it's very flexible. Yeah. It's very powerful for its effect uh, and for its cost, you know? So... Yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right, my last card I want to talk about is uh, one of the ones I think we just saw revealed today, which is a Demon Hunter card called Sightless Watcher. It is a it looks like it's a basic card. There's no there's no gem on it, so it's a two mana three two demon battle cry. Look at three cards in your deck. Choose one to put on top. Now I, I don't play the I don't play a ton of games and I think they're uh, card games besides Hearthstone. So this mechanic I think is something uh, from another from from another popular card or many other popular popular game, card games. But uh, being able to find the exact or you know look at three cards and potentially put what you want for next turn to be your top deck seems. Seems very interesting to me. What do, what do you guys do? You guys want to talk a little bit more about about Sightless Watcher? Yeah, sure. So we talked about it a little bit before we started recording. the uh, The thing you're dancing around there a little bit is Magic: The Gathering has a mechanic called Scry, which is a keyword mechanic of theirs, and it was so popular and it works so well in their game that they kind of made it like just a basic part of the rules of the game. Uh, and it works similarly. It's you look at the top, top uh, number of cards in your deck, and then you can kind of reorganize them either on top or on bottom. This is kind of like the Hearthstone version. And um, I'm really excited to see this because I've thought that Hearthstone needed a mechanic like this for a long time. Um, I've personally been campaigning the devs devs to add something like this some sort of scry type mechanic for probably a couple of years now um i did it on a design test that i submitted to them a while back and more recently uh i put it i put a, a different a little bit of a more robust version but my take on the scry mechanic in my i made a whole fan set and it was like the core mechanic that i put for my set the keyword mechanic that the whole set was built around so I'm really excited to see this. Um, the fact that it's a basic card means that they can do kind of more robust and, and they can build on it in subsequent expansions if they like it, if they like how it plays. And I think they probably will because I think it's a good mechanic and it's a lot of design space for them to mess around in. Yeah, I do really like this mechanic. It's similar to tracking um, for Hunter. Obviously, you don't get that immediate card draw but tracking is one of the strongest cards in the hunter's arsenal um so having the ability to make sure that the next card that you draw is something that is important to you whether it is a three mana card so you can smooth out your curve whether it's a late game card that you just need to have in your hand um you know whatever it is like it's very flexible, and that's kind of what I like. It can be used in the aggro decks because it is a 2-mana 3-2. You know, it's not the worst stats for aggro. Um, and it can be used in control because it gives you that control over what your next card is going to be so you have those resources. Or should I say a mid-range um, Demon Hunter um, to make sure you get... Like I said, just it, it could mean that you need the... Uh, the Warblades, the two mana, uh, sorry, the three mana two three uh, weapon with lifesteal. Um, it could be like the coordinated strike, soul cleave, like whatever it is. Like 
I like it. I think it's very, very yeah. powerful. You know, I hadn't even considered about the fact that it, it, it could potentially help you find find that 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 this is my win condition or my win card in the in my deck. You could potentially use this to possibly find it and make sure that you you have it for for when you need it. So that's that's really interesting. I, I like that. It, yeah, uh, Tim Clark, who is, works for PC Gamer, he was one of the people who was at the uh, the preview event that they they gave the summit thing, and he said that this card was just like just a really good card, and he the quote is struggled to find a deck that didn't want this effect. So uh, I it just like you said, it's a really flexible one, and uh, they that's kind of proven out already. So. I think it's a good thing. All right, we've we've talked a lot about uh, a lot about the uh, Ashes of Outlands. We could, we've got a ton more cards that we could talk about. There's even more that we're going to see tomorrow. The the rest of the 135 cards for this set are coming, and we will definitely be talking about them in the uh, days to come. So uh, I'm going to get us out of here. We're going to talk about this week's poll question, though first. Because uh, we, when you're hearing this, you'll have seen the final reveal stream. All the rest of the cards will have been revealed, presumably at this point. We asked right before, uh, at this time, uh, before Descent of Dragons launched, we want to know from you how powerful do we think Ashes of Outlands will be? On a scale from 1, the Grand Tournament, to 10, Cobalts and Catacombs, how powerful do you think Ashes of Outland will be? Your options are going to be 1 to 5, 6 to 8, 9 or 10, or more than 10. Now, when we did this for Descent of Dragons, 38% said the winning rating was 6 to 8. Guys, do we do we think a 6 to 8 was an accurate representation? Of it was a 10 plus. Yeah. Based off the number of nerfs, how quickly the nerfs came out, uh, you could say that it was a 10 plus just based off of Shaman by itself. And then once you take Shaman away, it would still be a 10. Like, I think that it's still... I think that if he... At launch, it was the strongest set that Hearthstone has ever uh, unleashed, I guess. Um <laughs> And a complete design mistake in many, many aspects that we saw based off how quickly the nerfs came out. I still don't know how Galakrond Shaman made it past the like whatever testing they had. I still don't know. Yeah, and like you said, after even several rounds of nerfs, most of the top decks are still like Galakrond decks, or or at least rely heavily on some of the cards from the newest set. Uh, Dragon Hunter, likewise, is just uh, pretty much created by the solo content that came with the set. So uh, obviously the viewers didn't know that those, yeah, those specific cards, yeah. uh, but they did know all the Galakron stuff. So there's lots of good stuff yeah, there. So uh, again, some frame of reference on some of the other old expansions. We had Whispers of the Old Gods rated at about a 5. Journey to Angora was a 6. Uh, Knights of the Frozen Throne was an 8. Mean Streets of Gadgetzan is a nine. So, and now you now you kind of got our thoughts for for uh, Descent of Dragons as well. So there is. Let us know what you think on on a power rating for Ashes of Outlands, and as always, we will talk about the results on next week's show. And we don't have time to go into this, but I would contest that <laughs> for Knights of Frozen Throne. I'll fight you guys off air. I think it was stronger than okay. that, but that's all right. It was. It was definitely. It's okay. Well, we can talk about it after. It was definitely science, scientifically yeah. done. So it, yes, the, the 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 ratings are completely indisputable <laughs> at this point. So completely unbiased in any way. It's it's scientific fact. But yes. uh, anyway. Yeah. So I. So well, let's wrap things up. You can find the and email the show, or you can email the show at dr3hs at gmail We'd love it if you joined our Discord. Nicolaus has been doing a great job of posting new cards whenever we uh, get them uh, over the over the last week. Though obviously, there's not going to be too many more uh, 
you know, separate reveals. And so there's lots, lots that we could talk about with regards to the new expansion. If you're listening to my voice right now, we'd love for you to take a moment and rate us on iTunes or your podcaster of choice. And I, I just, we got a big thanks to deck tech for coming and hanging out with us tonight and, and, uh, keep it, keeping Daring's chair warm for us. <laughs> That's right. It was my pleasure. I'm glad I was Where able to do it. Where can people find you if they want to want to hear about your thoughts about uh, Ashes of Outlands and other Hearthstone and non-Hearthstone related things? Sure, yeah. Uh, the easiest way to find me pretty much always is on Twitter. I'm there all the time, at HSDeckTech. Um, I also write for BlizzPro.com. I mostly run their hearthstone section so that's where you can find specifically stuff about ashes of outland and i have a personal blog called the tavern blog spelled b-l-a-w-g dot wordpress.com where i talk about uh, hearthstone and law because i'm a lawyer in real life and um, personal adventures and all that type of stuff nicolias where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at nicolias123 so you can find Daring Alkaline on Twitter as well. He is at, at Daring Alkaline. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Major Death. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can find me at on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Major Death. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, well wishes and feel better to Daring Alkaline. And you've been listening to Dr. Three.